Hello everyone, Tony here from the Coin Club Podcast. Just wanted to let you know that I use Mint Mobile for my mobile phone service provider. I recently switched and couldn't be more happy with the service that I have and the coverage. I urge you to check it out for yourself. Their easy to use website has a coverage estimator to show you how strong the signal will be in your location. No more guessing that it might be a good switch for you before you end up choosing a different carrier. They have an easy to understand plan structure and they actively try to save you money if you buy a plan that you don't need. That's right, you heard that right. A cell provider looking out for your best interest. Well, please, do me a favor, check them out and use my promo code when you sign up for Mint Mobile. I'll get some free Mint and if you use the promo code, you get a $15 credit to your account as well. Ryan Reynolds made everything easy with Mint Mobile except the referral code. So please check it out in the show notes and use that link, sign up, support the show, and get a credit for your new Mint account as well. Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. Welcome to episode 8 of the Coin Club Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the last episode, and I'm glad to have you along with me again to share all this great content with you. We're getting into the middle of the summer months here in the U.S., and just like I've mentioned before, the hobby is not slowing down. It's typical for the summer months to be a lull with collectors due to family vacations and getting in some quality time away to rest and relax. Well, You might still be getting away, but numismatics is far from being on the back burner for us collectors this year. We're seeing strong attendance at local shows, a continued growth in online sales, and just a general yearning for more and more numismatic offerings. We've all heard it from time to time that the hobby is dying. Well, the next time you hear that, you need to let that person know they're full of it. Don't forget to email me and reach out on Instagram, Facebook, or my website and let me know what you collect what you'd like to hear more of on this show, and don't be afraid to ask questions or leave me some feedback. I always like to interact with my listeners, and I'm very happy to have you along with me on this journey in my world of collecting. On this episode of the podcast, I'll bring you the latest news in our world of collecting, a little what were you thinking, a multi-part look at all of the mints past and present from the United States, and we're going to try something new this time. Instead of lumping info on new world coins I've discovered into the news or other areas of the podcast, I'm going to give that a little spot of its own. We'll call it the World Coin Spotlight. More than likely, I'll keep it to one coin and we can expand from there if you wish. If you have coins you would like featured, please let me know. Alright folks, sit back and relax, keep your hands on the wheel and concentration on the road or whatever you're doing, and let's get into some news. Heritage Auctions announced their August 1st Showcase Auction, a special selection of Brazilian coins, Part 3. Let me tell you, I've looked over the headliners in this auction, and these coins look absolutely amazing. 
They have a Pedro II counter-stamped 500 rice coin from 1698 in an NGC graded holder grading out at VF30, a Pedro II gold 10,000 rice coin in an NG, NGC holder graded AU53, and many more offerings. If this interests you, check out their website at www.ha.com for the rest of their auction contents and take a look at the other great offerings that they have there as well. Heritage just isn't about coins. They have sports cards, antiques, and many other collectibles along with art. Heritage also said that their June Hong Kong auction was the best ever and realized total prices in excess of $10 million. They have two more upcoming Hong Kong auctions. The first is scheduled for September 26th and the second from December 9th to the 11th. My favorite people over at Numismatic News have sent out another great announcement over email to their subscribers. If you join the American Numismatic Association today with a minimum of a two-year membership, you will receive an autographed copy of Jeff Garrett's book, Silver, Everything You Need to Know to Buy and Sell Today. Even if you are already an ANA member, get on their site and renew your membership today. You are eligible for the same offer. Check out their website for the offer. Along with this, they offer so much more value to collectors with their educational offerings, exhibits, and events. Speaking of the ANA, the 2021 Chicago World's Fair of Money will be happening on August 10th through the 14th this year. If you're itching to get out to a big show, check this one out. I've never been to the World's Fair of Money yet, but from everyone that I talk to, it's well worth the trip to go. This year, you can find on exhibition there the Tyrant Collection, which is a $100 million exhibit of over 400 United States typeset coins. This is the first time that this collection has ever been on public display, so you don't want to miss it. You may not have this opportunity ever again. PCGS is reminding everyone that they will be at the World's Fair of Money. They are also having a members-only show on September 1st to the 3rd in Las Vegas, Nevada. They will also be at the Long Beach Coin, Currency, Stamp, and Sports Collectible Show September 30th to October 2nd, and the Whitman Winter Expo from November 18th to the 20th in Baltimore, Maryland. The United States Mint will be featuring some new offerings in the next few weeks. On July 20th, the American Eagle 2021 one-ounce silver proof coin minted at the West Point Mint will be available for purchase. July 27th, we'll see the release of the American Innovation $1 coin 2021 rolls and bags featuring the state of Virginia. On July 29th, they'll be releasing a few offerings to you gold coin collectors out there. The 2021 gold proof four coin set, the one half ounce gold proof coin, the one ounce gold proof coin, the one quarter ounce gold proof coin, and the one tenth ounce gold proof coin will all be released on that date. These are all minted at the West Point Mint. Long Beach, California will be offering up its hospitality and gorgeous sights to the host the Long Beach Expo this year from September 30th to October 2nd. There will be over 400 dealers that are going to grace the bourse floor at this event, including on-site grading from the most popular third-party graders and auctions by Heritage Auctions. If you're wanting to extend your summer a little bit, head on over as the temps this year are usually in the 70s and most important thing, coins, folks. They have coins and lots of them. Okay, so let's start off with the first of many World Coin Spotlights here on the podcast with our neighbor to the north, Canada. If you've never had the opportunity to travel to Canada, I would strongly suggest you do so. 
It has many treasures to explore, many of which I have yet to discover. I did get the opportunity to visit Montreal and Old Quebec City. I would highly recommend both of these to you. In regards to coins, we're not going to feature the one of the newest coins the Mint's plethora of offerings has. Nope. What we will take a look at is the Holy Grail of Canadian coins. Do you know what it is? If you don't, let me tell you. It's a 1911 Canadian $1 coin. It is considered the Holy Grail of Canadian coins due to its low, low mintage. We're not talking 1913 United States V-nickel low mintage. We're talking three. Three, folks. Can you believe that? These two 1911 Canadian dollars were struck in silver, making them the rarest coins in any Canadian coin collector's bounty, and one in lead as well. One is in private hands, which sold at the 2019 World's Fair of Money for $552,000 to two Canadian owners. The other two are on loan from the Royal Canadian Mint to the Bank of Canada's National Currency Museum in Ottawa. One silver and one lead. They were pattern coins to show what the dollar coin would look like. It features King George V on the obverse and a wreath of maple leaves on the reverse. A crown at the top of the obverse, the words $1 Canada 1911 in the middle, and a ribbon on the bottom. Check this out on the web and tell me what you think. What the heck were you thinking? <laughs> oh, well, okay, folks. No name on this submission to the podcast, just an email address, and I never give those out anyway, so we'll call this guy Timmy. Timmy wants everyone to learn from his story, most recent one as well. I'd imagine he was at the fun show in Florida because he said it was a huge recent show that he attended. Well, whenever he goes to the shows, he has this bag that he keeps with him. He keeps his coins he wants to sell in there and puts the coins he buys in there too. He was really hunting for some earlier wheat scents to complete his collection, more so staying away from the 09 SVDB and getting some better condition coins from the first and second year minages. He walked the floor peddling what he had in his bag while he was looking through inventory at the show tables as well. He had a couple buys that he was happy with along the way, threw those in the bag, and even a couple sales to go along with it. Midway through the day, he found what he was initially looking for, a very nice 1910 Philadelphia minted Lincoln scent. He figured it was in AUMS condition. It was in a 2x2, and lo and behold, he found it in the same box he found in 09 VDB that caught his eyes as well, probably an AU grade coin too. He snagged them both at a great price and put them very gently in his bag. He's done this a million times before, he told me. He walked around the remainder of the show until it closed, and off to the car he went. When he got in the car, he was too excited to wait until he got home to see his treasures, and he had to pull everything out of the bag and take a look at him in the car. You know, we all do that. Oh boy, here it comes. Pulling the coins out of the bag, he thought his fingers were feeling a little wet. He thought, this is weird, what the heck's going on? As his hand breached the top of the bag, the tips of his fingers were black. The two-by-twos had black ink plastered all over them, and nothing in the bag was pretty. Any way you look at it, they were ruined. Well, you can imagine what happened. Timmy had a pen in there that he used to write down in his tablet what coins he sold, what he needed, and what he bought. It blew up everywhere. All afternoon, those coins were swishing around and dancing and drinking that black ink from his pen. He was pretty mad, but figured he might be able to salvage all this when he got home by recovering and removing everything out of the 2x2s and dipping them in acetone. 
He had the new coins he bought and a bunch of silver proofs and other coins that he was trying to sell that he was bringing back home with him. He laid them down on the floor of the car on the mat so that he wouldn't ruin anything else and drove home. Worst of this is over, right? No. Timmy was slinging coins all day long, so fast he wasn't paying attention to the holders that the coins were in. He bought a ton of 2 by 2 holder coins throughout the day, and they went in the same place, right in the bag. He carefully removed the coins out of the 2 by 2s so he could put them in the acetone bath, and he starts to get the proof coins, and all he can see are scratch marks on them. How in the heck could there be scratch marks on these proof coins that he protected in a holder? Here's the takeaway from this, folks. We don't need to drag this one out anymore. Timmy screwed up, and he learned a very valuable lesson. Here's what you need to know. Don't keep a pen in the same compartment as your coins. I don't care how special your lucky pen is. Keep that stuff out of the same bag as your coins. Better yet, ditch the pen, upgrade to the 21st century, and use your cell phone. Keep your notes on there. I like to keep lists so I'm not beating down the pen and paper aspect of it. I'm just saying, if you don't want to stick with this, keep it away from your coins. The second lesson here is to make sure that all the staples on your 2x2s are crimped tight against the holder. Whatever you purchase is securely held and not jostling around in your bag or briefcase or whatever you're using. It doesn't take much to scratch a proof coin. If you don't think I'm right, grab a cheap proof coin at your next show you go to and experiment with it. No harm, no foul with a cheap mass-produced proof. It'll scratch easy, guaranteed. Sorry for your luck, Timmy, but I'm sure you learned a very valuable lesson with this, and I'm glad you were able to share it with the rest of the folks on the Coin Club podcast. Let me know if you got all the ink off those bad boys. Many of you may not be aware of the many, many mints that have graced the history of the United States of America especially if you are a listener from another part of the world. We have a very storied history, and I'm happy to be able to bring this to you in a multi-part series over the next few episodes of the podcast. The year was 1792. A very young nation was finding its way in the world. The nation was led by President George Washington, name sounds familiar, right? And Vice President John Adams. The second Congress was in session. This was a year of movement in this great country. If you blinked, the nation passed you by. In February of this year, the Postal Service Act was passed, establishing the United States Post Office. The first ever presidential veto was used by good old GW. The Buttonwood Agreement was signed, which started the world-famous New York Stock Exchange. Kentucky became the 15th state in the Union, and a ton more infamous newsworthy events happened as well. The one that holds a special place in the heart of us numismatists is the Coinage Act, established on April 2, 1792. The United States established the first mint in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Well, kind of. What we know today as the mint was established on this date. In February of 1782, a minting facility was established which produced the first generally circulated coin, the Fujio cent, in 1787. Well, back to 1792. The capital of the United States would be home to the first mint, Philadelphia. It was the then capital. For those of you listeners outside of the United States, the capital has actually been in a few different cities than the present-day Washington, D.C., Philadelphia being one of them. What is super impressive and leads to the even more iconic history of the mint is that this building that was constructed in Philadelphia was the very first building that the new republic built under the Constitution. George Washington himself appointed David Rittenhouse as the very first director of the United States Mint. 
A man who chose science as his profession was now running the mint. Rittenhouse was tasked with the whole shebang. Get the mint up and running. He found two lots at 7th Street and 631 Filbert Street. He purchased both of those on July 18, 1792. Can you imagine the emotion that this man had at that time? He was tasked with starting something no man had ever done in this country. He had the faith of the President of the United States and of the Congress. A scientist named David Rittenhouse purchased these two properties on the above date for a total of $4,266.67. Today's value would be worth $120,753.87. Do you know what this property was before the government took it over for the purchase? It was a whiskey distillery. When you think of how fast things moved, how fast things were created back in the day, the first official mint was built at a breakneck speed compared to how government builds things today. The very day after signing the agreement to purchase the property, the demolition began. The whiskey stills were torn down, the building was demolished, and work began on day one. July 31st, the foundation was beginning to be laid, and by September 7th, the first building was ready to go. This was called the Smelt House. It housed the smelting furnace, the very first public building ever built by the United States government. Just a few months later, a three-story brick structure was built on the property as well. In the basement, we stored the silver and gold used for the minting process. The first floor of this building was where the magic happened. Coins were minted here, deposit and weighing rooms were here as well. The second floor was where the paper was being pushed and mint offices back in the day and the assay office was on the third floor. The facade of the building was decorated with the year it was constructed, 1792, and the words, Ye Old Mint. The two buildings were not connected. Between these two buildings, another one was built. It was a mill house which held horses in the basement that were used to turn a rolling mill located on the first floor. In 1816, a fire ravaged the site of the Philadelphia Mint, totally destroying the mill house and the smelt houses. From this day forward, the mint did not do any smelting themselves. It was all farmed out. The mill house, however, was rebuilt and a steam engine was placed in the basement to provide power to the machinery that the mint ran. Steam was the new technology in its day and it helped the mint to be more efficient. This property and its three buildings provided the new country of the United States with hard currency up until 1833. The end of an era, the first history of the United States Mint was slowly destroyed after the sale of the property to Frank Stewart. He asked the city to preserve the property and they wanted nothing to do with it. It surmised the demolition in 1907 and 1911 and now the only recognition of the first ever building that the United States government ever constructed is a plaque located on that location today. What a shame. The construction of the second United States Mint started on July 4, 1829 with the ceremony of laying the cornerstone for the new mint. Located at the intersection of Chestnut and Juniper Streets, William Strickland was the designer of the building, a noted architect and civil engineer in the city of Philadelphia. More lovingly named the Grecian Temple, the second building was a step up from the original build. Made of white marble, classic Greek-style columns, Measuring 150 feet wide by 204 feet deep, it dwarfed the first mint. The image of the mint was more professional with this build, something more suited to a budding nation with so much potential. Over the next few years, construction continued, and in 1833, the new mint was officially opened. Unfortunately, we had a brand new building, same old equipment to produce coins. 
Benjamin Franklin Peel, an employee of the United States Mint, was sent to Europe to study the more established mints over there and find ways that we could improve our facilities and our processes. This man served the mint from 1833 to 1854, where he was dismissed over allegations that he was using the mint for personal gain. Sounds like another Coin Club podcast segment in and of itself, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, the second mint graced this property from 1833 to 1901. It was sold in 1902 and demolished quicker than the whiskey stills on the first site. Again, what a shame that this history was destroyed. Could you imagine being able to walk the floors of this building today? Before the demo, they unearthed the cornerstone that was buried when they started the construction of the second mint. It had a candy jar with contents held inside by a petrified cork. The jar contained three coins, a couple newspapers, and a scroll with information regarding both the first and second mints. I would love to know what those three coins were. Building 3 coming right up. 1901 saw the construction of the third United States Mint at 1700 Spring Garden Street. A man by the name of Martin Aiken designed this building. He was the first official architect for the Mint and designed numerous buildings for the United States government over his employment. Designed by Aiken, built by Taylor. James Knox Taylor was the supervising architect for the United States Department of Treasury. This building far surpassed the first two in size and all. It took up a full city block and was graced with full Roman facade. It had seven themed glass mosaics designed by Louis C. Tiffany with a gold-backed vaulted ceiling. If that wasn't cool enough, those mosaics depicted ancient Roman coin-making methods. This was not destroyed when it was no longer used. It has been purchased and inhabited by the Community College of Philadelphia. It is still standing today. This mint not only produced coins for the United States, but was so efficient that it was able to produce coins for foreign countries as well. This mint made the longest run out of the first three, as it was in operation from 1909 to 1969. The current building that the mint inhabits today is the fourth building since the very first one was erected. The building was opened on August 14, 1969, and it held the grand distinction of being the largest mint in the world until 2017. It is located only a couple hundred yards from the original mint location. It covers more than five acres of ground and has more than 500,000 square feet of space under roof. The current capacity of the mint is 1 million coins every 30 minutes. Imagine what one of those original mint employees would think if they saw how modern, how fast, and how efficient the current process is compared to what they started with and made with their bare hands. Amazing that we've come that far. On site here, they produce not only coins, but medals and various different awards for the military, government, and civil services. Here at the Philadelphia Mint, they produce more than 50,000 dies used in striking coins every year. Check out the Mint's website and see what they have to offer and plan a trip to the Philadelphia Mint. Take their tour, which walks you through the history of the Mint, and you get to see many historic pieces, along with being able to watch the presses crank out coins faster than the eye can see. It's a great tour if you're in the area, and one more thing, it is absolutely free. Oh, by the way, if you were curious as to what the old stained glass in Building 3 looks like, don't worry, they moved them to Building 4. Even more incentive to visit the Philadelphia Mint. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed everything on this episode. It was pretty neat to learn about the origins of minting in the United States and follow through with the history to the current day of the Philadelphia Mint. 
If it's summertime where you're at, I hope you're enjoying the nice weather and hunting for those cool new additions to your collection. Thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting me on Patreon at the Coin Club Podcast. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the same name. You can also go to my website, sevenhousecb.com, and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see in future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast.